Welcome to the Safety with Purpose Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us at safetywithpurpose.com. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Women in Safety. We've got a great discussion lined up today with guest J.C. Good of Hang Up and Drive, Candace Leitner of We Save Lives and MAD, and Brian McWhorter of Safepedia. We're going to be talking about distracted driving and how is it impacting the safety of our workers and communities. Welcome, everybody. I'd like to kick this off with asking you all, how did you become so passionate about distracted driving? For both of us, as the case for so many safety advocates, it didn't necessarily feel like a choice. felt more like we kind of got dealt a hand of cards and had to figure out how to make sense of it. Um, for me, I lost both my parents at the hands of a driver who was talking on his hands-free phone and he didn't hit us but a third vehicle a semi-truck hit my family's car and that took my parents lives put me in the hospital for four months and changed every single thing that i thought my life would be jacy's absolutely i have to tell you she i'm just such a big fan of her she's absolutely amazing and despite all of her medical issues and um, losing both of her parents, she just got involved. I, I mean, I remember meeting her for the first time and she was ready ready to go and ready to take on this issue. And I've just been such an admirer of hers and she's done a terrific job. I mean, you've been an amazing you know, source of guidance and support and inspiration watching what you did with kind of what you were given. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, in my case, of course, drunk driving, I took, I started mad as a result of my daughter being killed by a multiple repeat offender drunk driver. And this was almost actually 40 years ago and um, started, a, you know, local, state, national, what became an international movement to change laws and, and actually uh, change society's attitudes about drunk driving. And then some years ago, I started We Save Lives because I saw a void in drugged and distracted driving at that time. And so I decided that I would fill that void and we would take on the three Ds, drunk, drugged, and distracted driving. Ironically, um, several years ago, I too was hit by a distracted driver and totaled both our cars and broke my back. And so although I already had very strong feelings about the issue of distracted driving, they became even stronger um, after going through my own, uh, my own issues. And also, I think the fact that it's something that, and JC and I have talked about this, that it's just getting so out of hand and it's taking so long for legislators to respond to something that they should have responded to years ago, as soon as the problem first cropped up, just like drunk driving, you know, went on for years and years and years before anybody did anything about it. And um, although I think distracted driving, in the case of distracted driving, unlike drunk driving, you have 
um, you can get hit by a distracted driver at any time of the day or night. How do you, how do you work with uh, companies to get them to enforce these policies? I mean, what happens if somebody violates the policies? You know, and I love that these conversations and, you know, what um, you ladies have done really is, is the soil that gets the ball rolling. You know, everything begins with these conversations. Because like you said, uh, law moves too slowly. And as a community, we have an obligation to protect one another. There are two things that really community provides the individuals that are part of those communities. And this goes for a team or any other group. And that's safety. You know, we protect those in our group and our tribe. And uh, amplification of effort. We can do more as a group. Those are the two only things the groups provide the individual. Okay, so you look at a problem that is inherent, you know, starting to grow, then you get that conversation going. Um, so again, I, you know, kudos to what you have been doing to drive these efforts. So now it's taking it into the boardrooms and the corporate, you know, and saying, okay, you have to have policies in place because you know what? If you have someone who's driving for work-related business and they are in a distracted driving accident, you can be held liable for this. Crash, um, crash, I have to stop you. We, we take offense at the word accident, I'm sorry. So it's crash, and, 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 I, and I, I, I can convince you to change your terminology in the future. Oh, I have absolutely no problem with that. I, I totally agree with you. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, go it's ahead. Funny. In, in the uh, safety world, we have, again, terminology, same for incident, but yes, I like that. Crash, so you're absolutely right. So again, in the boardrooms, it's getting this information out. So it's, largely, it's a part of training and making sure people understand that they are responsible for these actions. So, you know, getting these policies put in place. And this is one of those things that, to me, uh, you don't hear enough about. So getting it into businesses where they are talking about it. And I think really starting, uh, I noticed a few, a couple of years ago, um, with April being Distracted Driver Awareness Month mm -hmm. and, you know, using slogans like, you know, just drive and getting the statistics out and having companies in April at least really highlight it and then set up posters that they keep on for awareness throughout the year. You know, a movement is taking place, but again, I, I feel it's, it's happening too slow. Um, when you look at technology, technology works against us when it comes to this. Because even our dashboards become so distracting by all the different things they add. So, and hands-free is no better. It, it proves to be no better than, right. you know, driving with your phone in your hand. For so someone to drive, oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, have you ever, JC, I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever had someone like JC, for example, come into the companies and talk to the drivers? Now, I haven't worked with, say, FedEx or a driver-based company, but I think that is an awesome idea. Mm -hmm. I, I encourage anytime you can bring someone that's got real skin in the game, someone who really knows and has been studying and is a speaker and an advocate for these things, yeah, that is so powerful. Jamie, I mean, have you done that? Yeah, I've done a lot of work with various companies, a lot of them working to put their corporate policies in place and make sure they're enforced. And my job is to get the employees not just to be aware of the policy, but 
to care about the policy and to think about the people they love and who they want to get home to be with to have dinner. And that's true in every single state all across this scary divided country right now. We're all the same at the end of the day. And I think that's taught me a lot. Um, beyond that, I've also been really fortunate to a lot of work with companies who might not necessarily have a policy in place, but they care about their employees and they want their employees to get home safe. And so it's just trying to teach this lesson outside of, you know, their concerns about lawsuits and the bottom line. They just want to keep each other alive and look out for other people on the road. Now, I wanted to kind of pull back and dig a little bit deeper on something that you were hitting a nail on, rightly so. And that's the word in the language choices that we're making. Several years ago, Jeff Larison and I, and Jeff at the time was with a nonprofit organization. He has since, now he's with the Massachusetts uh, Department of Transportation, but we started and sort of a sub-organization of We Save Lives or a campaign called Drop the A-Word. And this is something I did years ago at MAD. And, and in fact, we even dug up an old um, article that I did, I mean, many, many years ago about why my daughter's death wasn't an accident. And um, so anyway, we started this campaign and we went after, the, it was the Minneapolis Star Tribune, I believe, who did a big article about someone and they, and I think it was a drunk driving case, I'm not sure, and they kept calling it an accident. Actually, in the case of drunk driving, it is a crime and it is a violent crime. And so we went after them, we put a coalition together, we had, I, I don't know, Jace, I think we had what, like a hundred signatures on the letter from people from all At over least, the At least, yes. Yeah, I mean, it was just a major thing. And then, and, and the Tribune agreed to change their terminology. We then tried going after uh, some media individually, and sometimes we were successful and sometimes we weren't. So when, uh, and then we went after AP Stylebook. And because their definition, unfortunately, at the time, coincided with what the media was doing. You know, this was all an accident. And we actually got, we did a major social media campaign, and we actually convinced AP Stylebook to change their definition and, um, and to, to say, you know, think, really think about this before you start throwing out the word accident. And the reason for this is because when you use the word accident, you're basically excusing the person's behavior. And defense attorneys use this all the time in court. Well, your honor, you know, so what if he hit this person, drunk, drug, distracted, whatever, speeding? Um, you know, it was just an accident. So what if he killed three people? Um, you know, driving with a 0.30 BAC, it was just an accident. They do. And unfortunately, people buy into that. And A, it's offensive to us, the victims. And B, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. It's wrong terminology. Accident is something that's completely unforeseen. And Brian, I know you must study this, but in 90, I think it's 7% of the cases of car crashes, it's not accidental. These are choices people make. They choose to do speed. They choose to drive with a stupid cell phone in their ear. You know, they choose to drive drunk or drug. They don't have to do these things. They choose that. And in my daughter's case, for example, 
the man who killed her, who was out on bail from another hit and run drunk driving crash and had mm. four prior drunk driving offenses behind him, threw her 125 feet at one o'clock in the afternoon, left her in the road to die, came home, hit his car, etc. I mean, and I say this, would you call that an accident? No, you wouldn't. This man knew full well what, it, I mean, he just was out on bail from another hit and run drunk driving crash. And by the way, as an aside, the night he was released, finally from his halfway house, which is what they did in those days. Well, they didn't even do that. It was only because of man. He had another girl, drunk driving, um, who was the same age as my daughter, had the same name, and um, was close to the location where he had my daughter. I mean, there is nothing accidental about this kind of behavior. So it is absolutely wrong. And we should not be excusing drivers' dangerous choices by using that word. I prefer, besides the word crash, if we're talking about drunk and drugged driving, I prefer people use the word crime because you don't call murder an accident or robbery an accident. That's a little difficult for a lot of people to get used to. So I'll settle for crash, collision, or wreck. In the case of distracted driving, unfortunately, until recently, it really hasn't been considered a crime. And, um, and so definitely we would say crash. Now more and more states are beginning to pass legislation. This is a real soapbox for me, so I'm sorry if I, I dominate. <laughs> no, I love no, it. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but I just feel so strongly about it. And, and we're getting ready, by the way. And I wish we'd had when JC told me about this, that we have the video ready, but not ready to launch. We actually put together a video of um of uh, victim stories or whatever and and why this word is wrong that we hope to be launching around the holiday time we actually decided to postpone it until the holidays because we thought it would have double the impact um but about why you should not use um the word accident we call it crash versus accident so um I, I, that should be and tamara i'll send it to you you know when it's ready to go so i don't you can't play it you know, on your recording thing, but maybe something you can play on the website or whatever. But I mean, to me, it just kind of says it all and why. And, and, and JC, I mean, you, you feel this, I know you feel the same way I do. Don't you feel it's demeaning to us and hurts us and, and just trivializes what happened to us when it's people say accident? So offensive. It's so upsetting to me, but you know, your passion kind of got me involved in this too. And I'm still... <laughs> Whatever nerdy high school science fair kid I was, you got me. I started like doing research in the background, learning that like car companies lobbied the media for decades back in like the 1920s, just getting a newspaper to call it an accident. Seriously? I did not know this. Yeah. Um, you read, you can read back just a little bit how the car companies didn't want the responsibility. People were scared of driving because so many people were getting hurt and killed in those early days. And so they said, all right, we'll call it an accident. And then it's no one's fault. Wow. It's not our fault. It's not oh, your fault. Send me just, that information. Yeah, Are you I can, getting, we will use that. that. But, and look at, look at the insurance companies, every ad you see, um, and we've taken them on in social media, not that it's made a difference, but you know, every ad you see with insurance companies, accident, accident, and lawyers, even personal injury attorneys, and, and we have one on our board. And I said, look at your website. You know, your website is 
you know, I'll, I'll represent you when, if you've been hit in a drunk driving accident. I said, you're just furthering what defense attorneys do. But, you know, they're into this, what, SEO stuff. And so accident generates more attention, I guess, than the word crash. Um, I'd like to challenge every personal injury law firm to switch over to use the word crash, crime, collision, or wreck. And I swear I'd give them a shout out. Um, and then maybe eventually the SEOs would catch up to that word. And so that would be the meaningful word and not the word accident. But it's so interesting because like it takes a concerted effort. It just feels almost like we've been brainwashed to be able to speak this way. And you have to really think about it to say, all right, I'm not going to use this word. That is actually really the wrong word. So really you got to use. <laughs> but you know, and, and I'll tell you, and I can't remember, JC, if I ever said anything to you, but one of the issues we had was our own fellow advocates would get up and say, you know, my child was killed in a drunk driving accident. Oh, God, we just cringe. I still see it on Facebook. And I, and I do make a comment each time I do. And it's like, why are you excusing the behavior of the driver who killed your child? And then we had to, so we've been trying to also educate uh, advocates, victim advocates, and then our own fellow safety advocates like NTSB, God, it, Jeff and I actually met with them, the National Transportation Safety Board, to try and get them to change the vernacular, which they refused to do. I don't know if they've since done it, but they would not do it. But also trying to get our fellow safety advocates who do conferences and workshops, you know, to quit using the word accident. And I'll tell you, and Jason knows this, if I'm in a workshop and somebody does that in a workshop, I jump up and I say something because I'm obnoxious. <laughs> I'm old. Yes. I can get away with it. But I will. And the more of us that do that, the more they'll learn. This is not right. I mean, it's absolutely not right. And it drives into the whole thing about choices. And yes. taking ownership for our activities. I don't know about the three of you, but I'm really feeling like people are kind of backing away from being accountable for the decisions that they make. And some things people are doing, it's just downright dangerous for others. Oh, I couldn't agree more. You know, I did a speech at Stanford uh, some years ago for their centennial and I, and I was on a panel with a lot of very famous, well-known, distinguished people who represented the movie industry and the this industry and the that industry. And I remember the moderator said to me, um, well, tell me, I was Candy then after 50, I became Candace, but tell me, Candy, um, do you blame the alcohol industry? Do you think it's the alcohol industry's fault that we have such a problem with drunk driving and, um, you know, the liquor companies and he's going on and on? And I said, no, I don't. I said, I blame people because no one is holding them accountable and they're not taking accountability for their own actions. And you're absolutely right, Tamara. And that problem has continued to this day. People simply aren't accountable to anybody for anything. And, and it's, it's dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, actually, I, and you, I don't know if you've seen this before, but I, I, can, and I can't remember what city I was in, but I was walking down a sidewalk and on the sidewalk, it was engraved the, the letters uh, spelled out, look up. So it was meant for people holding their cell phone and looking oh, down. And I've seen that a few times. But, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, remember that the iPhone, the, the, the first smartphone came out in 2007. So in this relatively short amount of time, it has changed everything. Mm -hmm. And they've had studies like the iPhone effect, where if even a cell phone is present when you're having a conversation, your empathy and retention 
go down tremendously in your ability to even hold on to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Even if you, uh, I think they, AAA did a study where if you send a voice text on the phone, um, you're distracted for up to 27 seconds afterwards while your mind is still on that event. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you throw all this together on the road and it's, yeah, uh, definitely a, a very bad combination. Is it 27 seconds after you start going that you're still not there? You're still not with the car driving? Yes. Yes, yeah. that sounds correct. It's all about what your brain is going, doing yeah. and what's going on. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough nut to crack. We got to pay attention. And it's really tough because you kind of go back to what we were just talking about before of whether or not alcohol companies are responsible. Are cell phone companies responsible? You talk to the people who have now left cell phone company saying my job was to make this magic little computer impossible to put down like we again talk about being manipulated we're being manipulated mm -hmm. and we gotta do whatever it takes to be bigger than that to have the willpower to be able to walk down the street and live in the moment as crazy as that might sound these days it's actually really wonderful i think it's because people don't understand what it's like to suffer a tragedy. And I think they think they're invincible and that it won't happen to them until it does. And how do you, how do you change that attitude? You know, how do you, how do you make people realize that, look, you're, uh, you're just as vulnerable as, as me, as JC, as anybody else out there. You're not exempt. God didn't, you know, surround you with a halo. You know, you, you're, you could die just as easily. And it's not only that you're vulnerable, it's that you could kill, you know, just as easily. And I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, that's what we do. You know, that's what people like JC and I do. We're always out there trying to convince people of that. Sometimes we succeed and sometimes we don't. But it's kind of like, is there a magic bullet or answer or strategy, you know, that we could use that would convince people that their safety should be of paramount importance? You uh, know? That, that is the question. <laughs> and, and that's what I'll, I'll, I, I love the way you word it. That is so perfect, you know. We do think we're indestructible. There's something in our psyche that tells us we're never going to get hurt. It's not going to happen to me. And, and I talk about this all the time when I do visit uh, companies trying to help with safety. And it kind of makes sense to the degree we don't want to fear everything. You know, I, when I got out of bed this morning, I broke my record for the most days I spent alive on this planet. So what are the odds I'm going to do something today that's going to change that? Mm -hmm. So our mindset is it'll never happen to me. But you're absolutely right. The statistics tell us otherwise. Uh, there were 40,000 uh, car-related deaths in uh, 2018, 40,000 in uh, 2017. Uh, an average of 16 people get killed in the workplace every day. So, but, so you just really hit the nail on the head. How do you get people to wake up to realize that, you know what, it can happen to you? You know, we're, we aren't invincible and you can cause a tragedy to mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. So those are the questions I ask myself every day to try and get across to people. So one of the things that I'll explain is, you know, there's so much in our lives that are outside our scope of control. So many things we can't control. I always tell people if my life were a 16, uh, six string guitar on any given point in time, I have control of maybe two or three strings. The stupid thing would be to not play the strings I can control. Mm -hmm. So for that pedestrian, again, they can control watching for cars, 
it would be silly to disregard that and ignore that. Again, the things that we can do, we should do. But, you know, getting that point across, especially in the light of we think that, you know what, it'll never happen to me until it does. Uh, man, those are, are – so, again, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I, I don't have the answer, but that is the, that's the tough question. And I think, Candace, you know as well as I that a personal story can have a serious impact. That if I can yeah. get in front of a room of 16, 17 year olds, I was a couple years older than them when this happened to me. I was 21 years old. I've never been any kind of car crash in my 21 years. My dad's the safest driver there is, did nothing wrong that afternoon, but someone else's choice mm -hmm. killed my father and almost killed me. You know, I think the other issue, though, in terms of, of making it a priority, do you see any of our candidates talk about highway safety or infrastructure or why we need to do something about the 40,000 people that we are killing, of which 97% of those deaths are preventable each year? I, I haven't heard a single person a single candidate, I mean, back in the day I had Reagan, you know, who was a dear man and was very supportive of us and very public in his support. But I haven't heard anybody, not any president, not any legislators, really, not any governors, no one really make this a platform issue. What can we do to prevent 40,000 people a year from dying? Have you? No. No, and it's never really crossed my mind. Again, with the media, there's so many things that feel so big and so important, and this happens every day, and I can't do anything to just stop it. So, But that's not true. We can all do something, and it seems like another really good angle, except for me, I think I've gotten really disillusioned with politics as yeah. so, so many of my efforts. Easy, easy to do. So many of my efforts to get common sense cell phone laws put in place turn political and the votes go right down the aisle which does not add up human safety is not a by a partisan issue you know something i'm actually considering doing a master well actually i am going to be doing a master class on legislative and how do you get a bill passed and how do you get a bill introduced and all that kind of stuff because i see this happening and i will tell you this i get very frustrated because i think in many cases the advocates aren't doing the things they need to do um and and to get bills passed and I, I deal with them and I go, well, have you done this? Well, no, or are you doing this? No, and you need to do this. And I get so frustrated. Um, and I think, you know, like, we, and I was involved in over 750 pieces of legislation. Plus, as you know, we did some major national legislation such as raising the drinking age to 21. And, um, and I, in fact, the things that we save lives have, has been involved in from a legislative angle in terms of supporting and whatever, I think for the most part, um, we've gotten past, even though we may not have introduced them, somebody else, another organization, for example, did, but we've gotten behind it and worked with them. And so I really think some of this also needs to be educational in terms of what the advocates are doing. But I also agree with you. Um, you know, Ed Woods, um, his son was killed in a drugged driving crash. 
and he's out of Colorado and he's been trying to introduce bills on, and his son was killed by a marijuana impaired driver. And he's been trying to get legislation passed. And anybody listening, please do not pass 0.5 nanograms. It's giving license a license for drug drivers to kill. But anyway, and he's, he finally quit. He said to me this year, and I tried to help him. I did the first year and um, we didn't get, we got, we got it, but not what we wanted. So we all pulled our support. But he said the same thing you did, JC. He said, I'm done. I've had it. I'm not doing this anymore. And he's working on a book, you know, he's doing other things, but he said, I'm not doing any more legislation. And I can understand that it's, it's, um, but I think we need to learn how to work around these challenges. Uh, and anyway, that's just, I, I just think there, you know, we need to to work around these challenges. I mean, we didn't have, you know, years ago we had boots on the ground. And Jason, you know as well as I do, the, the distracted driving movement is very fractured. There are groups over here, there are groups over there. I've tried to pull them together, I've almost given up. Um, this group over here does this, that group over there does that. And trying to get them together, to all join forces together on any one bill or issue has been incredibly difficult and very challenging. Some of the groups won't do legislation. You know, they just don't want to support legislation. Other groups are only doing stuff in their little local area, you know, or in their state. And when we had MAD, we had boots on the ground in every state. And so we were able to generate support in every state. We formed coalitions. We got associations behind us. I mean, it was a major undertaking. I don't see that anymore. I don't. And that's... And I that's one of the things that I wanted to kind of dig a little bit deeper into is that, you know, I, it's now unacceptable to be drinking and driving. It's just, you, it's just socially unacceptable. If somebody tries to do it, you're going to have a lot of people turn around and just say, absolutely not. Right. So why is it socially acceptable to be uh, using your cell phone, even if it is hands-free? And I know, uh, JC, you did some learning around, the scientifics of um, handheld and hand-free, which I'm hoping you'll share with us. It's a really good question that I have not figured the answer out to yet. Um, to me, it's really scary. I think not enough people have been impacted as directly as me yet to really know how badly this action can, can hurt. Um, I've found a lot of power in going beyond the legislation that once laws are in place, like here I live in New York State and we have really strong, really good laws, but it still allows for hands-free phone usage. You start to look into the science around multitasking, the idea that our brains are capable of doing two cognitively demanding tasks, like we need our brain to drive our car. We need our brain to talk to someone we can't see and try and do it both at once. And it just doesn't work, unfortunately. Uh, scientists have named it toggle tasking. Our brains hop back and forth and it's really fast and we never feel it. We think we're doing a great job and we're blind to the road in front of us because we're so cognitively distracted. You talk about distracted driving and we all know what that is, whether it's a hand off the wheel or eyes off the road is terrifying to think about, but you start to talk about someone's brain off the road, and we don't talk about it in this country so much. Unfortunately, the cell phone lobbyists, again, 
have done a lot to kind of dissuade us to that. But you look at other countries and it's illegal to use a phone in any manner and the punishments are taken really seriously. And I want to point out, and JC, that is such a good point. When I was doing MAD, we didn't have opposition from like the liquor company, except on raising the drinking age to 21, seriously. Whereas you're right, it's different on the cell phone case. And I think the other thing is we had, you know, thousands of volunteers, thousands of advocates, thousands of victims and survivors who would come together, um, you know, in a state or nationally in order to ensure that something would pass. And again, as I mentioned before, I haven't seen the thousands or hundreds of thousands of distracted driving victims. And, and I want to say something else because we're talking a lot about cell phones and JC's right. Um, research shows that driving with a Bluetooth is like driving with a 0.08 blood alcohol content and no one would drive with, you know, well, they do, but you know, people don't think it's cool to drive with a point yeah. with VAC, but they'll drive with a cell phone. But the other thing is, cell phones aren't necessarily the most dangerous distraction when you're driving. Eating is right up there, and people who ride with their pets and don't um, secure them—that's incredibly dangerous, and and that's distracted driving. There are a number of other areas of distraction that people should be aware of. Cell phones probably are the most common, um, but I think I read something, JC, I don't know if you saw it, where it said something like eating was even more dangerous, eating and driving. Um, yes, I've read that eating and driving has the potential to be more dangerous, but it's not tapping into that same kind of cognitive demand mm -hmm. that a cell phone does. It's not reaching nearly as far across our society as cell phones now do. Right. But I'll tell you, and I'm big on the on the animal companion thing. Why people say they love their animals and then let them loose in the car and hanging their head out the window, which is incredibly dangerous and also very distracting, is beyond me. I mean, we just don't we just don't think safety when we get in the car. We're just not mm -hmm. thinking, you know, what can we do to stay alive today? It's like Brian said, I loved it. Would you say I got up this morning and I realized um today I was on the planet longer than I was yesterday <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought about it that way. Well, if we could get everybody to say that every morning and say, and I'd like to stay mm -hmm. you know, that way, you know, therefore. Yeah, keep this trend going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think kind of all of that plays into why there hasn't been the same kind of coalition that MAD was able to kind of create, that there's so much division among advocates, including the discussion of whether or not a hands-free device is making us any safer. If you look at the science, there's no argument that hands-free is better, but too many people are, are kind of falling into that as the solution. You mean that hands-free is not better? Yes. Right. And, and you're right. And I mean, this is my, so I'm going to just share this with the audience. So as JC knows, we have several campaigns on distracted driving. One is called, but not while driving. So we ask everyone to put on the signature, their mobile device signature, um, hashtag, but not while driving. So that whenever anybody sees them send a text or a message or whatever, that hopefully the people are following their own advice and they know it's, but not while driving. And to me, that's one way small way maybe, but one way of sending a message to everyone saying, look, in my opinion, distracted driving is not acceptable and I'm not going to do it and I hope you don't either. 
the other thing that we that I do personally, and we have another campaign on distracted driving, and I'm blanking on it for a second. But the other thing is, whenever somebody calls me, I will say to them, "Are are you in your car? You know, are you stationary? Are you in your car?" And and if they say, "Well, I'm in my car," and I go, you know, as soon as you get stationary, call me, and I hang up. I don't go into discussion. I don't tell them why. I just say, as soon as you're stationary, call me. And, you know, as soon as you pulled over, you're at your destination, call me. I will not accept phone calls from anyone. I don't care. Bluetooth, I don't care what they're on. You know, a horn, I don't care. Um, that's driving. And I just make it very clear. Don't call me. And that's true of workers. And by the way, speaking of workers, you know, all these workers that are coming to your home or whatever that call you for directions while they're driving, I tell them, I'm not giving them to you. You pull off the road and then I will. And so I think if we all just take action on our own, A, by not accepting calls from people who are driving and ask them, you know, are you driving? And even if they say I'm at a stop sign, I go, it doesn't work for me get to your destination or you pull off the road. It's a perfect example. It's about setting a standard for yourself that your life is more important than anything on a phone and everyone's life out there on the road is more important than anything on a phone. And you set that example when you're sitting in the car, when you get in the taxi, I do the exact same thing. You got to say, please don't put my life at danger. And they will definitely agree with you. It's amazing how much a taxi driver will love you when you say that because they know they should agree and it's setting that kind of whole cultural personal standard for all of us but isn't there a week every year or something dedicated to to work uh, crashes you know workers in the roads and they're being affected or impacted by people crashing and killing them there's again there's lots of different programs out there and and there are probably several I'm not aware of you know, again, April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month, and I've been with a lot of employers that really use that as their main, uh, you know, leverage for driving it through the rest of the year, you know, putting up posters, having meetings. And, but this stuff needs to be reinforced all the time. Candace, I love your deal. You know, when you call somebody on the phone, even asking, are you in the car? If mm-hmm. so, wait till you're stationary and call me back. And the tax said, what great practical advice. And I will adapt that myself. Um, part of the training I was providing this week was forklift training. And uh, yeah, forklift is the number one cause, uh, one of the number one causes of fatalities in work environments. And distraction is again, part of that. So again, making sure, and not only that, if a worker has her cell phone, again, that iPhone effect, uh, you can't think about the task you're doing and watch out for your worker buddies and effectively, you know, Mm -hmm. communicate on that phone. So it is a distraction. Um, from a safety standpoint, I love that people have access to a phone. If someone gets hurt, they can quickly call 911, and that is great. But the phone has to be out of sight, out of mind, like your drive mode. Again, it, you, you don't want it communicating to you. You want to be able to grab it in an emergency. So yeah, again, I'm, I'm learning a lot here. <laughs> I don't know so how much I'm, I'm providing, but. But forklift drivers actually use their cell phones while driving forklifts? Yes, yes, that's exactly, yeah. How incredibly dumb. I can't even imagine how they can do it, how they can kind of physically do it because they've got both hands on it. Well, of course, not that I've driven a forklift or seen one recently, but, you know, doesn't it take two hands to operate it? 
Uh, it's just like a car in that regard. Yeah, you can have one hand on it and the other hand on your phone. So, yeah. You know, your, your crash your crash concept or your crash terminology is, is right on. About 98% of work-related accidents are not accidents. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're behavioral. Mm -hmm. Someone disregarded the safe way of doing something, the control measure, for whatever reason. It was a choice. So, yeah, you, I mean, your crash uh, is right on. Uh, mm -hmm. And that goes into every aspect of what we do throughout the day. And again, I think that comes back to almost an employer responsibility, that they've got to be looking out for their employees and trying Absolutely. what they can to keep them safe. Well, and I challenge yeah. that because I think it's an everyone responsibility. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think the employer has um, responsibility of monitoring the workplace and ensuring that um, practices are kept up. But to, to be quite frank, employees are not children. They are adults at work mm -hmm. and they oh, need to be like held that. accountable. Yes. <laughs> also. You know, if I look at a culture, you know, culture is the values, beliefs, and behaviors of the group in that culture. And if management is very, we'll say a factory, if they're very performance driven, remember there's rewards that come with taking risks. That's so again, to your point, if management is really um, performance oriented, it's all about, you know, high yield, low shrinkage, low downtime, those employees will take more risks, definitely. If they know they'll be rewarded for being that person that can get her done, you know, they'll work on the machine with the guard off, with it running. They'll take those shortcuts. So this is where managers need to establish that, you know what, people come first. Right. People first. Mm -hmm. Everything is about, you know, either comes down to people and process as well. People are the ones to make everything happen. Processes enable success for those people. So, yeah, and I'm very blunt when I'm talking to managers uh, that way. You know, again, you've got to put your people first. Otherwise, you know, it, you're, um, now the words kind of elude me, but what you're doing is unethical. You, you don't want to encourage them to, them to put performance ahead of safety because especially as guys, we'll do it. Again, thinking that we're invincible, we'll do the dumb thing. So we need uh, one voice in the entire corporation, that's safety first. And if you really break, break it down, there's a lot of workplaces that impact and crossroad communities. So distracted driving, whether it's an individual who is a citizen in their car or mm -hmm. somebody who is driving a bus, a rig, et cetera, you know, a garbage truck. Yeah. There, the, the crossroads here in our community and the workplace is just phenomenal. So it's, it's a distracted individuals, whether you're a private citizen or at work. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be a habit. We're creatures of habit. We do so much subconsciously. So it's so easy to get that habit of, Again, driving with your pet loose, driving while eating, putting on makeup, doing, you know, checking your laptop. You do it a few times and it becomes a habit and it becomes your new normal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love these, these podcasts and these conversations. We need to change people's mindset of what's acceptable. What is their normal? We need to make the new normal safety. Well, I did want to ask before we close out our discussion, what last thoughts would you like to leave our audience with? 
I think the big one that I always try and hammer home is the idea of a ripple effect that when these tragedies are happening on our roads, if a ripple from one of these hasn't touched you yet, it's only a matter of time until we all fall somewhere in one of these ripples. And for me, I was right there. You know, I am first that first ring, but it's the fact that my mom was a beloved eighth grade English teacher. And the next day was Monday, May 19th and 314 year olds, eighth grade students learning that, you know, Mrs. Good was, was killed yesterday, seeing hundreds and hundreds of lives falling into that ripple and using that ripple because a lot of people have stories. I've been to thousands of locations and have yet to find a place where someone doesn't have their own story. Use that ripple to inspire all of us, everyone around you to be the safest and the best and the kindest driver you can possibly be. I think that's really true. I think in my case, it would be that everyone should take responsibility for their own safety. You know, whether it's not answering, uh, letting people to talk to them when they're on their cell phones, you know, not taking calls from people that are on their cell phones, letting people know that they're not going to ride with them if they're going to use their cell phone, um, whatever it is they need to do to be safe. And that includes their own driving behavior, um, giving examples to their children by driving safely all the time and making it a priority. So I think in, in my case, it is taking responsibility for your own safety. And uh, that's that very, very powerful and very right. <laughs> yeah, I, boy, I've learned a lot from this. <laughs> what a great conversation. And I agree again. Uh, to me, the, this conversation, again, the, the talking is a soil that produces results. It just sometimes it can seem slow, so slow to produce those results. Uh, the first article I wrote for Safeopedia on distracted driving was after, uh, well, uh, the same year that I lost a sister-in-law who was hit. She was on her way to, uh, she was riding her bike on her way to a gym to exercise in the morning, hit by a distracted driver and, and wow. died. Like I said, those ripples. So almost everyone's been affected by this in some way or another. And I love, uh, Candace, you're, you know, responsible. I think there's a responsible and accountable. We're all responsible for our own safety, and we're accountable for looking for the safety of others. Good. Well said. Well said. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. And thank you so much to all of you all three of you for coming out today and sharing your knowledge with our audience. It was an incredible conversation. Well, thank you for hosting this. Yeah, thank you so much for continuing to share a little bit more of a positive ripple of traffic safety. <laughs> that concludes my conversation with JC Good, Candace Leitner, and Brian McWhorter. We hope you found this episode informative. And for more information, please see our show notes at safetywithpurpose.com backslash women in safety. Please visit our sponsor's website, safeopedia.com, where you're going to find a lot of safety resources in the form of quizzes, webinars, assessments, checklists, and articles. Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for clicking the subscribe button and sharing it with others. Make sure to visit us at safetywithpurpose.com for more safety leadership and industry discussions.